evening and welcome to 48 Shades of Football. Uh, it's time for another podcast. I'm joined by my usual podcast host, Mark. Good evening. And we've also got a special guest tonight, uh, Mr. Dan Harris, physical coach of Elan. Nice to see you. How are you? Back again after two years. Yeah, it's been, a, been taking me two years to recover from the first time. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was too. <laughs> Absolutely. So tonight's intro was chosen by you, Dan. Do you want to tell us what it was and why? Yeah, so the track was uh, Thunder by Imagine Dragons. Um, probably a left field request. Um, yeah, just a track we've had in the gym recently. Lots of boys have had, had it on the gym quite a bit at work. Um, yeah. Probably one that a lot of listeners haven't heard before, but it um, probably sums up the kind of the unpredictable nature of Korean football, to be honest, the ups and downs of it. And um, yeah, we'd like to hear a bit more thunder on the field and in the stadium sometimes. But yeah, probably sums up the unpredictable nature of Korean football, I think. Okay. Yeah, so you mentioned there that the boys have had it on in the gym. Like, before you took over the DJing duties, what was the, the what's kind of like normal? Like, Korean football or gym workout music? Absolutely. So I, I have to say, there's lots of things I've been impressed about in Korea. Loads of things. The other yeah, choice of music in the gym was not one of them. Okay. Um, so there's certainly a little uh, chilled out K-pop vibe going on, which again it has its has its place in society. But I don't think that the gym environment is probably the best one for that. So um, yeah, we had a, a lad Shin Il Su who's now playing out in Portugal, but he um, he was there the first year and he fancied himself as a DJ. So we had to get that kind of put right pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I've introduced him to the um, yeah very eclectic mix I think from back home so there's been a bit of everything in there but yeah that's the current one do you think the uh, kind of music that's played is uh, uh, beneficial or important to psyching the guys up or um, I, I just think for us in the, in the, in the gym environment it's just a, the reality of, of professional football is yeah. that the fans see what happens on the match days they see yeah. what happens obviously at the stadiums on a Saturday or a Sunday um, but obviously the vast majority of, of players time is spent day to day at the training ground you know and and whilst the the impression is that everything about being a footballer is perfect and fantastic and it is it's a fantastic job and you never want to discourage that or kind of speak against that but there is a grind element to it there is a monotony in the sense that it's day after day coming in grinding away trying to improve in small increments every day whether that's physically technically tactically mentally whatever um, and so anything you can do just to keep things fresh and to a bit of variety and to, to, to kind of help guys lift themselves a little bit is, is important especially during a difficult season you know. so yeah I certainly wouldn't say that it's a significant part of what we do but it's yeah, for me sometimes hearing an English voice as well has been nice you know yeah. and, and, and opening the guy's eyes to the to the, the wide world that's out there as well so. one of the debates we always have with soul fans is at half time they obviously play that song and everyone gets their phones out yeah of course yeah. and everyone's saying well it's such a, a laid back ballad wouldn't it be better to have something more hyped up and get the crowd going absolutely but, yeah, yeah I, mean, I have to say there's been, I mean I think the, the whole thing about a fan engagement in career is it's almost a bigger discussion really because there's you can you can go to some games. I've been to some national team games. I'm sure you have the last couple of years, where there's best part of fifty thousand in yeah. the stadium. You know, yeah. and, that, and that's <coughs> phenomenal for any country in the world. You know, albeit the stadium's still not full because they're in these such giant stadiums. But, but you're getting fifty thousand in there, and on occasions there is a little bit of spark. There is a little bit of, of life about things. I went to the China kind of qualifying game a couple a few months ago. You know, at home, and there's a little bit of spark in that game, partly because of the opponents and partly yeah. because of the way the game went. Obviously, we'd have been yeah. quite tight, but. But the flip side is you can go to games where it's like being in this bookshop, you know, <laughs> being a library, you know, and that's, and again, that part of that is the stadiums, obviously. But it, I think there's a, a bigger discussion to be had there in terms of what clubs need to do to engage yeah. with the fans, you know, across the board, both both the local fans and also the international fans as well. You know. Actually, that's one thing I was talking about the other day with some friends, is that if you look at say any club website from back home, you'll often see that player was at the children's hospital visiting sick kids someone went to open a supermarket or whatever 
uh, you were talking about the daily grind of well, saying that fans don't really know what Korean players are doing behind the scenes. Do they do that kind of activity as well? Yeah, it's a really valid point. Um, I certainly I can only speak for Elan. I obviously couldn't speak for other teams, but but I mean, our fans, are, our lads are out and about in the community, and we have a, okay. a regular community engagement pro- program where yeah. on, a, on a monthly basis, twice a month, there'll be lads out in the community doing things. It generally tends to be coaching clinics as opposed to visits and things. Okay. It's not really the kind of fan forums you get back in the UK right. or elsewhere. It's not really the kind of I guess the PR visits it's more actually about going in there and trying to invest in the football side of things with, with middle school kids or high school kids or university um, so I know obviously that does happen whether that whether enough is made of that publicly right. as you say whether there's enough coverage of that I don't know I think the K-League and this is not me being critical but I think the K-League generally needs to like all leagues around the world has to look at itself and say what can we do to to raise the profile of our product you know it's not like the Premier League where the product sells itself yeah. Yeah. it isn't that you know we are, we are all of us and I say we in terms of people with a vested interest in Korean football you know we we have to work harder at raising the profile of the product you know and, yeah. and, and in numer- numerous different ways you know so for example I went to actually went to Song towards <coughs> the end of the season and and it was I, I actually like going to Songnam. It's one of my favourite stadiums, just for, for different reasons. But there was a real buzz about it that day. Part, and I'm thinking, oh wow, Songnam are doing great here. There's some kind of kids' yeah. events on, and, that, <coughs> and it happened to be there was a big like a flea market event happening where there was a lot of. I think the, the city council had organised a flea market with all these stalls and things outside the stadium. Yeah. So there's a real buzz around the stadium because it didn't transfer. It didn't because yeah. the guys didn't. There was families sitting around having picnics. There was guys yeah. selling things. There was music playing. There were some little kind of kids' tournaments going on as well, but they were outside the stadium. You know, so I think some teams. Better, do, do a better job than yeah. I think some of them are a better example than some but I think there's certainly a lot, lot more we can do across the board in terms of raising that profile because ultimately this is a, the product's decent I've, I've been here three years now and I'm impressed by the product but that's because I'm in it I'm in it every yeah. day you know, people out there who are sitting on the fence or wavering have got a choice to make about how they spend their money and time wouldn't know that just yet you know yeah, yeah uh, I agree with that I mean the mayor up, uh, I think up to this year, yeah. like they made a song now. Like when he, when he was seriously thinking about running for for president. Okay. So he was kind of like, kind of trying to boost his profile and, and uh, Songnam's profile, yeah. like in the like in the community. And he was doing lots of stuff like that, you know, like the flea markets, you know, like lots of other stuff like inside the stadium as well. <laughs> but it, it doesn't seem to kind of transfer uh, into the fans of people going in to watch the game it seems to be that they kind of do stuff around it and they don't actually go inside yeah. no absolutely I think that, that, that's a challenge because look at Jamshill I mean we've got a huge stadium yeah. I mean there's there's 10, 15, 20,000 people walking past our stadium every single kind of home game yeah. to go to baseball or to go and see something else and yet we haven't quite figured out how to get those guys into the yeah. doors you know so. you mentioned the um, Elan Stadium there I mean, obviously Jamshill yeah, um, I was at obviously I was at the uh, at the last game of the season there uh, when you played Bhutan. Yeah, and the one thing I noticed was that the bottom tier of seats has been taken out that in the main stand. Um, is there I mean, is that Elan's idea? Is that Jamshil? Jamshil um, Stadium idea? I've, I need probably to be a bit careful how I answer that question. Um, okay. If you can't answer that, no, 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 only in the sense <laughs> of it, it caught us a little bit by surprise. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So my, I, my understanding is, is that Jamshil Stadium, which is obviously a phenomenal stadium in terms of size and, yeah. and setup, uh, my understanding is it is going through a little bit of a refurb. I think there's some events coming up over the next couple of years okay. that are going to be using Jamshil as a focal point. So I think it's part of the city council 
sort of kind of general sense of re- that kind of building up. The interesting thing was it, it let the Bouchon band stand. Yeah. They ended up having like almost like an old terrace, yeah. there, you know, yeah. which was actually probably I think helped a little bit. It let them get a little bit closer, yeah. a little, little bit more of a buzz there. That, that, yeah. that game actually had some bit of buzz to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was a decent yeah. game which helped. Yeah. 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 And it was well, I mean, I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely for you, yeah. <laughs> so obviously, last time we talked to you, I think you just been knocked out of the playoffs rather unfortunately uh, two years have passed um, obviously uh, Elan had their plans of or their ambitions about getting into the Champions League and getting promoted and it's not quite worked out um, what's your take on all that? Yeah, it seems like a long time ago that we, we sat down and talked really um, yeah I guess in reflection obviously the, the overriding emotion is obviously disappointment yeah. you know, as a professional who takes pride in winning you know the, the last two years have not panned out the way that we wanted it to the way that anyone in the club wanted it to um, no doubt that there's no hiding from that there's no point sugarcoating it and that's, it's been art you know and it's, and it's been we've underachieved and it's been disappointing um, I think the the caveat I would put on that is probably although there was a lot of kind of rhetoric and a lot of buzz in that first year I don't think we should take away from the job that the, the players and Martin and the office staff did in that first year yeah. in terms of to go from there literally being nothing and it, this is not a, it wasn't a rebrand it wasn't a phoenix from the flames it was a literally starting from yeah. ground zero <coughs> and to go from that to to this point where yes you make the playoffs at the end of the year but more than that you know you, you generate a fan base that puts you at that point in the top three of the league you know you You've got to go and recruit 40 players, you've got to build an academy, you've got to build a training ground. You know, I mean, all the stuff that perhaps people didn't see behind the scenes. I think that almost people took it a bit for granted in that first year in the sense of, I think, in hindsight, which is a beautiful thing, a lot of credit has to go to, to Martin and the chief exec at the time yeah. and, and the players in terms of that. That's not to take away from the fact that the next two years have been disappointing, but just to say perhaps we overachieved in that first yeah. year. Yeah. Um, particularly in a, in a season where there were some good teams there. I mean, Sangju that year were excellent, yeah. and we were nipping tuck with them for big parts of the season. You know? yeah. uh, and obviously the playoffs was disappointing. I think we can talk about the playoff and the format of the playoff later in the podcast, you know, but yeah, that was disappointing. Yeah. And then in terms Let's of not talk about playoffs. <laughs> no, <laughs> but in terms of the, ne- the next two years, um, I think probably the the way I would summarise would be missed opportunities. Okay. I think it was the way that you build a winning team is by doing the small right on a consistent basis you know it's, it's very rare that you have one decision that you change and suddenly things fall into place and you've got on a run of 30 games you know it's, it's about on, on a consistent basis and doing the small things on and off the field right and I think to be quite honest we've probably not done enough of those right we've okay. made some little mistakes along the way and I, and I put my hand up I'm part of that you know, I've been part of the coaching staff so I've got to take responsibility for that as well um, yeah, other than that, really, so you can't put your finger on any one thing. You know, people okay. talk about, oh, you lost Yu Ming Yu to the military service. Well, he was phenomenal for us in the first kind of year and a half. Yeah. And it's great seeing him go on and do so well in the Catholic League as well. But he was one player, you know, and okay. there's other things that we, we could, other ways we, we could have adapted and perhaps didn't, you know. So, yeah, disappointing. Uh, shame to see it go the way it's gone. Um, it burns as a professional. Yeah. And I'm not over egging that. It hurts, you know, it's, it really hurts. And it hurts. And I know it hurts. Park Wen Ha when he was the head coach, and I know it hurts Kim Jong So now, you know, and also the guys in the office as well. Yeah. You know, so. But what it does do is, is it really can solidify the desire to go and put things right, you yeah. know, and to go and get things right now. So you mentioned Jimmy Gilder, you, you know, and you said, you know, it kind of took me a little bit of time to kind of get up to speed with the army team. You know, like, like with Sanju, that like he didn't start particularly well, and he went on that one where he almost, you know, like kind of equal to the, the, the consecutive game record. Where, where do you think he can go? Yeah, I mean, 
you've obviously worked with him a lot. Like, do you think he he does have the potential to to, to move overseas to like be like a stalwart in the national team? Right. I mean, he's he's done well with the army team, but do you think he can go further, or do you think he'll go back to Elands, stay in the challenge, or do you think he'll he'll kind of move up upwards and onwards? I think the first thing to say is it's just great seeing any Korean player scoring goals on a consistent basis in the Classic League. That's the first thing to say. You know, there's there's almost this misnomer, this kind of assumption that. Yeah, Korean players can't score goals. I think we talked about this two years ago, but that is it's such a fallacy. I mean, it's ridiculous to think that a Korean player can't yeah. be a prolific goal scorer. You know, now of course there are barriers to that psychologically, right the way through the development, and obviously you have to look at history and say there's not been loads of them. Um, but it's just great seeing that. Yeah. You know, that's the first thing. I'm great for him, and I think that for him as an individual, as a man, this is a guy who two and a half years ago was an unknown midfield player journeyman player earning peanuts you know no one would have picked him out and line up for 10 people you know and now he's at a point where he's a bit more recognisable in the game you know yeah. there is a bit of a clamour towards him maybe <coughs> the national team and, and all that kind of thing in terms of where he can go um, I think he's proven he's a, he's a classic league player I think he's proven that he can score, score yeah. goals um, from a selfish Elan point of view we, we, we want him back um, he's got another seven or eight months on his military service yeah. anyway so it's a long way away and a lot of things can happen in that time but yeah I certainly think he can play regularly in the Tacit League and score goals we've seen that as, as to overseas I, I, I'm one I'm banging the drum at the moment for Korean players staying in Korea because yeah. one of the, my real bugbears is the fact there's a real talent right here at the moment you know the moment a Korean player gets a chance to leave the country they're taking it yeah. you know, and I yeah. just feel as though that's an issue for us as a game that yeah. we've got to keep the best talent here in Korea you know. yeah. 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 Somewhere. yeah absolutely and, and not even going to a stronger league yeah. obviously earning more money um, yeah. I'm assuming but certainly not not going to a place where I would say the quality is necessarily yeah. like, it's different if they get a chance to go and play in a major league in Europe of course but I mean I looked at the national team the other day a team was obviously made up of all overseas based players and I understand why that was picked because of the, the clash of the kind of fixtures in the, in the K-League but those players need to be in career in my opinion if yeah. we're going to move the, the league forward and, and actually raise the quality and the profile you need to have an engagement with domestic stars you know yeah, yeah I mean I agree with that I think this is something I've kind of I don't want to say ranting about but I've, I've been on about quite a bit in the K League, you know. Is that like I feel as soon as someone shows potential, you know, like you know, like Kwon Chan Hoon, you know, Suwon is immediately sent off to like Spain, and I mean that's you know, I just don't, I don't view it as being a, a particularly, you know, like a particularly great idea that you know as soon as someone is getting good, you know, the idea is to go overseas you know I think that we should keep those players in Korea as much as possible yeah, yeah no, I agree wholeheartedly and again I understand why the lure is going abroad is there I understand mm-hmm. that I just think we've got to make sure that the, the conditions are such in Korea that it's a viable alternative for players it's not like the first time someone flashes a bit of ankle they're out the door you know? yeah. so we've got to create a viable sustainable programme here that says actually if you know what, I, I want to stay here and be part of it I want, I want to stay and be part of it I'm bigger than us you know? okay. uh, in a class of yeah yeah I think it's looking like really yeah. relocating yeah. <laughs> yeah so you were talking there about obviously keeping talent in Korea you know and how important it is you know that we can build the game and build the name uh, like in terms of like players in, in, in Korea, that you've, you've been here for three years. Is there any player, that, any opposition player, that who you would man mark? Who you think is the one player that, as a as a coach, from a from that point of view, that you would say, okay, tactically we should man mark that player because he's like the most dangerous player that you've come across. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I spend most of my time looking at the the Challenge League phenomenon, obviously, yeah. and obviously the Classic League from a distance, kind of dreaming of one day being there. <laughs> um, 
I mean, the obvious one that jumps out this year that, that I think poses challenges for a coach within the Challenge League has been Mark Offer going down the centre forward. Okay, yeah. And, and, I mean, that, it's an easy, it's almost a lazy suggestion, but it's an easy one because of what he's done in his first year here. I, mean, I don't think we should underestimate the impact of, uh, for a foreign player to come into this league and perform at the level he's performed at this year, right out the gate. I mean, from early doors onwards, is a testament to his quality, really, and also to the recruitment department of Jongan. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned Jongan a little bit early on, saying so you didn't think anyone would have picked them out as being champions. I think I would maybe question that slightly in the sense of last year, they obviously started with a big points differential yeah. because of the, the, kind of the penalty they got from the K League. And if you take that out and then they'd start from zero, they'd have ripped up last year. I mean, they were a good team last yeah. year with Christian yeah. up front last year. And you'd almost argue that Marcos is a, is a, a more mobile version of Christian. Physically, obviously, very dominant. Yeah. Can, can be a target man for you, can score, has got an eye for a goal. But, I mean, he's... He, he would cause problems for, for guys all around the world. I mean, it's no surprise to me that I've seen him being linked with teams in the Classic League and teams in China and, and elsewhere, especially for him at the age he's at. I mean, he's in his early 20s still, and so yeah. to come across here and, and do what he's done in, in this league has been phenomenal. So, yeah, I mean, I certainly would take the half to whoever found him. I mean, that's okay. a real good fight. Um, whether you man mark him or not is a, is a question, it's more of a tactical question. I'm, I'm not really a huge fan of that. I think okay. I like you can mitigate for, for quality without necessarily having to go that kind yeah. of man mark him. Having said that, in my playing days <laughs> through what I was best at you know? I was better without <laughs> the ball than I was with the ball but, um, and then looking into Classic League obviously I mean again it's a fairly obvious answer but I do think Lee Jessam has got good quality okay. I really do I know it's, a, it's an easy lazy pick and he's perhaps not quite here the highest as much this year but, but he's a good player okay. he's, a, he's a slightly different type of player in, in a sense of that's a guy who does understand the game that's a guy that does see pictures and yeah. does want to play around corners and does want to do things a little bit differently you know and he's a player I'd like to see kind of flourish and develop the next couple of years certainly I guess it's a lazy choice being a John Book but, and it's helpful it's easy for him to a certain extent because you've got some of the better players in career around him but, but I think if you can look past that he's a good player okay. and he would pose challenges yeah. for a coach on you mentioned a little bit there about young men last year like you obviously saw that team last year um, last year you also played against Daegu and they, and they were automatically promoted after what happened I think the police team and stuff yeah. were you surprised at just how I don't want to say how, how well they've done this year, but were you surprised that they weren't really in a relegation battle? Like, is that a team that you thought would secure their classic place, or did you think that they would, they would kind of drop back down again like Suwon did last year? Yeah, I'm, people ask me a lot about the quality in Korea and how it compares from Classic to yeah. Challenge and to other countries as well. I mean, I would say that the, the gap between the bottom six Classic League teams and probably the top seven or eight in the Challenge is exactly very small. <laughs> okay. I think that, that, that bandwidth is pretty narrow I mean I think the top three or four in the classic league put away you know the, the, the usual suspects you know you see that I mean credit to Gangwon this year for what they've done this yeah. year in terms of I mean they've ne- never been near the relegation zone really from what I can remember but, but the, taking them out the, the top three or four in the classic league are at kind of level above but no, I mean I look at the teams over the last couple of years that have been up and up and about and up and down as you mentioned Sue on there I think the, the gap between those top six or seven cl- challenge league teams and the bottom five or six in the, in the classic is not as big as people think okay. sometimes it comes down to whether you can keep your players fit yeah. which makes a big difference um, people talk a lot about the foreign signings and whether they have an impact on things um, I think 
prior to this season Jonathan made a big difference to David yeah. and he was a good player I'll, not again without being disrespectful to him not a player necessarily that you'd warm to in terms of the way his style of play necessarily yeah. but he's effective <laughs> well, he's and, 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 <laughs> and the reality is, is that the hardest thing to do in this game is we all know whether you're a fan a coach a player sticking the ball on the back of the net yeah. and, and that covers a multitude of sins and if you can score on a regular basis coaches, fans cheaply get to put up an awful lot more you know and, and your teammates will and like so he got to yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I watched Adrian that first eighteen months, and the teams back in Europe were asking me about him and what were my thoughts on him. And again, it's probably a similar thing in the sense of he, he, he was scoring on a consistent basis at that point. Now, again, we saw circumstances change. Head coach moves on, his form dips a little bit, and we see that every time. Well, we see it on a regular basis with players. But yeah, I'll, to answer your original question, I don't think the gap between that bottom half of the, ch- the classic and the top half of the challenge is as big as people think. But I do think the three or four teams at the top of the classic are. Step above. So the sort of for song now, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, somewhere, somewhere a decent team, you know. And I've, like I said, we've talked obviously off, off podcast early on. I mean, I, I hope that Park, the head coach, gets a chance to continue there. I really do. I think he, people shouldn't underestimate the job he's done. I know okay. you don't necessarily agree with that, but um, I think <laughs> from, the, from the start they've had for him to take him into the playoffs, yeah, I think is a as, as a pure coaching job is pretty decent. You know, particularly because people are taking in mind what I've just said in terms of drop down. Yeah, I think teams sometimes come down from the classic league and are shocked by thinking they can take it, take it to walk. Take Dayton as an example. You know, I think teams sometimes drop down from that classic league thinking, oh, this is a win the challenge now. We'll yeah. Easy. It's a competitive league. It's more yeah. difficult than people realise, you know. And I think, I think for them to come down, start slowly, deal with the Hungy Joe situation, end up in the playoffs, yeah. is a pretty decent coaching job. You know? I mean, I think that's. I mean, I think it's a really good point. Like, I mean, obviously, I'm a Sol now season ticket holder, and I've been there like pretty much all of the games this year. And I think we started with a pretty tough start. We had Pusan, uh, we had Seward in the first few games as well. Um, and I think, I think he did maybe underestimate. Like the quality in the league, and I think he he kind of tried to implement classic tactics uh, in a challenge league, and I think it was I think that's what he kind of failed at the beginning. Then we went on that ridiculous like 15 game unbeaten run, which got them into the playoff, and then they've gone on a six game like barely able to score a goal if it's not from the penalty spot um, run. So yeah, it's been a kind of topsy turvy season. It's been a, it's been a tough one. Obviously, we've played Elan four times. Um, having won you guys are that's two two victories two draws am I right with that one? So, that's right yeah. um, obviously that's a whole lot of points this year <laughs> <laughs> um, like, so in terms of that again like, over those three years like, who's been the toughest team that you've faced I mean it's obviously not song now but like, over those three years like, who, who would you say has been like, the, the best team that you've come up against yeah good question because we talked about this last year when Suwon came up like, I remember we were talking on, on, on Twitter about how Suwon at the beginning of their time in the challenge in, in, in the classic they were pressing like opponents that like, nobody else in the classic did yeah. and I think we talked a little bit on, on, on yeah, well, right, I could yeah. tell I was stunned that when I went to the Songnam game down the Suwon and I was like, really surprised by how they were on top of us yeah and I think I mean that's a good example you could there in the sense of without in any way wanting to be critical of, of Korean coaches at all I do see a lot of similarities in the way the team do things generally and you could almost argue that's the same in any league in the words it's a copycat game you know, look at England at the moment five years ago no one was playing 3-4-3 three, three, and the content does it wins the league and everyone starts doing it you go and watch a nationwide conference and team are playing 3-4-3 three, three, yeah. like, from the back you know it's a copycat game so now I understand that's the same anywhere what I liked about Suwon that, that particular season was they were trying to look a little bit different they were 
played <coughs> different from other Korean sides. Yeah. They were certainly effective at that, and it worked for them in that particular season. Uh, in terms of kind of pure quality of player, the Sangju team in the first year were just very strong. Yeah, yeah. just a strong team. Now, it, that's a very different type of coaching challenge because you're having to knit together a group of men that don't really want to be there. Yeah. And, and are used to earning a lot more money, are used to being in different environments, you know. So, from a coaching job, it's a very different challenge. People say it's easy because you've got all the best players in Korea. Well, the reality is that. You should uh, nominate a Sangju manager for the next England coach. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, well, you're going to do what you're doing. I mean, the sunshine right in the backside at the moment. Gareth Southgate, so I, again, I've never met the guy, but I mean, that's what I did on the BBC website this morning talking about how the country is suddenly all behind the team and there's fresh yeah. optimism. I'm thinking, don't get me wrong, it's two good results, but it's two <laughs> nil nipples, you know, back to back in friendlies. But anyway, so the reason why I'm they've been, they don't make the World Cup, English folks start thinking that they can win it again. Yeah, absolutely, right? absolutely. And yeah, having, having said that, as a proud Englishman, you know, <laughs> it's been an amazing summer for English football. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, back to your question, the best team. Sangju had some really good players in the first year. That was a good test for us seeing that. I've been really impressed by the Assan team this year. Again, it's not a lazy choice. They've managed to maintain their kind of quality all the way through. I've really, I have enjoyed watching the Classic League. I think there are some good teams in there. You know, I do enjoy watching the Classic League whenever I can. I don't know, I've bumped into Paul a lot of times at national team games and all sorts as well. And one of my real kind of bugbears, if you like, one of the things that I'm passionate about over the last three years, it's developed over the last three years, has been whenever you speak to any domestic Korean football fan and you yeah. ask them about their team or their, the state of the game or national team, straight away it's negative. Straight yeah. away it's, yeah. this isn't good, this isn't good, this isn't good. Now, part of that is the mentality of football fans around the world. That'll be the same wherever you go. But I think particularly in Korea, we've got a little bit of an identity crisis because people are very quick to focus on the negatives, both of life in Korea generally yeah. and also on the football <coughs> particular side of things. And actually, for someone coming in from the outside, I've got to say, after three years, Korea is a magnificent country, in my opinion. I, mean, I just, I know there's been a lot of foreign players over the last kind of 12 months or so that have expressed a yeah. lot of frustration at their life in Korea, and I would never want to take away from their experience, and, and every experience is unique, and obviously they, only they know their situation, but... There is so much in Korean football to be positive about. There is so much. There's so much good stuff on and off the field. Yes, of course, there's things that are shambolic and yeah, things yeah. that need to improve, of course, as there are any league. But I think for me, one of my pa- the things that I've become more and more passionate about the last couple of years is the sense of let's just stop bashing our own game. Yeah. Let's stop bashing it. I mean, I've spent a long time in Scotland and that's a Scottish mentality. I mean, that is, oh, yeah, like, yeah. you give someone a million quid in Scotland. I'm still not happy in Celtic. You know I mean, it's <laughs> way. It's, you know, people talk about Celtic, yeah, I'm beating him whatever it's the yeah. last 70 games are, but look at the draws we've had. Yeah. Like, that's the mentality. But I think, particularly in Korea, that is that maybe it's the decadence that comes from being here, maybe it's part yeah. of the, kind of the cultural hierarchy system, but let's just stop bashing our domestic game. There's a lot of good stuff coming. Look at the national team, for example. I mean, the, the uproar that went into that national team qualifying kind of campaign around that. Now, again, we know trees weren't pulled up during that kind of qualifying campaign. Yeah. We understand it. It wasn't necessarily the most exciting games to watch. South Korea have made the World Cup again. Yeah. Italy haven't. There's, there's plenty of teams out there that haven't made the World yeah, Cup. Yeah, and South Korea have, you know, and now and I do see some good young players across the country, you know, both playing in the, within the, the, the national teams and also within the domestic leagues as well. So yeah, I, and people are very quick to bash the domestic game, you know, and life and career generally and I, I can only be positive about it, you know, and say my experience here has been real positive. Okay. So you talk about like about Sanju being the best team, Asan being the best team. Mm. As a coach 
when you ask you the best and worst, but yeah. as a coach, who has been the best player that you've worked with? Who is the guy who's responded most to your coaching methods? Who's the guy who, who you think's put in the most effort? If you can't name him, I'll, I'll, I'll completely understand that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I, mean, I think that people ask me why, like, why do I coach? You know, we, we love the game, but coaching, like any job, has its ups and downs. Yeah. You know, and of course it does, and, and this has been a, a difficult two years, particularly the last two years. Yeah. The first year obviously was a little bit different, but the reason I'm in the game, what I enjoy about the game, is that opportunity to invest in the lives of young men, you know, and to, to, to try and be a positive impact on these young players, particularly, and to, to help them reach their potential. And that sounds like a cliche, but for me, that's what it's about. I think, yeah. particularly in career, in the sense of this. This generation, this current generation, the kind of early 20s, teenagers, early 20s, mid 20s, I think it, the country's probably at a tipping point for in all sorts of reasons, like politically, financially, it's, it's where it fits in the world, you know, what's happening, the macro politic, political side of things with America's kind of changing. Yeah. A little bit. I think they, that generation's a little bit of a tipping point. And actually, <laughs> I think there's a real need for people to invest in that young generation, man, whether it's a teacher, whether it's a coach, whatever it is. And actually that sense of helping guys realise what they're actually capable of. Yeah. What is it you can actually achieve? And actually you have more control over your own destiny, over your own future, than perhaps you realise. I think there's a little bit of this kind of tickling career, this sense of my future's laid out for me. You know, I, I haven't got much of a choice in it. I've just got to kind of go to work to earn the money, you know, to buy the food, to mm. give me the energy to go to work, and that cycle continues. You know, actually... The bit for me that's been the most exciting is the chance to invest in those young players you know, and to see them develop and grow behind the scenes. So in terms of specifics, obviously we've mentioned Jumi Gu already. Yeah. That's, a, that's a re- example that comes to mind. And Martin Rennie's got to take a lot of credit for that. But most credit goes to Mingyu himself. I mean, yeah. That's a player who okay. came in and actually we just tried to create an environment where he was able to to realise actually he could be more than he is at the moment from a professional point of view and he took the opportunity we gave him the tools and we, we hopefully create an environment that enabled that to happen but he, took, he did it you know, and, and so that's great for him love seeing that um, we've got a couple of young players that haven't really featured much this year but we had a guy called Kim Kyung-gyu who's a young, he made his debut last year as an 18 year old he came to an open trial so just an open open yeah. to public trial at the end <laughs> of our first season came in played I think best part of 10 games in the, the Challenge League last year at the end of last season went off and trained with the national team training squad at under 28 yeah. so great for him he's had a difficult season this year but great for that that's a kid who's walked in off the street and his next 12 months later he's training with the national team mm-hmm. that's a good guy that's worth try that next, next year <laughs> open trials for the podcast host open trials open trials we're coaches not miracle workers but you're welcome <laughs> to give it a go um, <laughs> so yeah, he's been a, he's been a you, you said you could help us realise our dreams yeah, absolutely yeah it's, 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 it's going to be realistic I would suggest <laughs> um, yeah he's been a good guy um, a player that I've been really kind of pleased for this year is a guy um, again from Milan who listens might know but a guy called Chiwon who plays for us yeah. Cho Chiwon Chiwon was a player who came through a similar age bracket as Lee Jae-sung at John Book at that time he was part of that same intake big high hopes for him at John Book at the time when he came in as a teenager had three and a half years of crippling injuries really while he was there and came to us off the back of that and that continued for the first year or so didn't hardly played had some really long term injuries just came back and he had I'm not sure if you remember at the end of the first season but he had a, a horrible clash of heads in the game against Gangwon I think the game finished 4-4 he fractured his skull okay. uh, and it was a road traffic accident kind of injury and it was a probably might never play again kind of injury so it took him a good seven or eight months yeah. to kind of work his way back from that and he's played pretty regularly for us this year and done well so that's just the, the kind of stories that you you like to be a part of because those are guys that you know, may well have just fallen by the wayside in a lot in the career but hopefully now have gone a decent career here in Korea who's been the biggest character that you've worked with player-wise 
that's the impression that the fans got definitely yeah. gives a bit of a character yeah. I, I, I mean I still speak to him now and he calls me every week and comes on sometimes I've got my phone on silent but he's, um, <laughs> I mean, he's a great lad in the, in the sense of he just loves the game you know and, and as fans I think as fans watching it whoever your team you support if you see someone that clearly loves what they're doing that just resonates yeah. with the punters yeah. because the bottom line is every single punter that stood on those terraces or sat in the seats would give their right arm to be on that field playing if they had the ability or the opportunity they would give their right arm to be there yeah. and sometimes when you look at a domestic game back in England you see some players almost loving like to be there or taking it for granted actually that that alienates the fans people talk in England about the disconnect between yeah. the fans and the players of them because of the, there's so many <laughs> gap and all that but it's more about the perception of the player I would argue one of the reasons why Wayne Rooney has been so loved by Man United fans and then Everton fans is yes of course he's a brilliant goal scoring record but whether you like him or not whether you're a fan of him or not he clearly loves to play yeah. he just loves to play and Tarabai was similar to that you know he was that's a guy you watch him in training on a Tuesday he'd be exactly the same as he's on a Saturday you know he's he's the kind of lad that would chase and Chris Packett around the field yeah. you know, just blowing in the wind you know he just loves the game you know and, and yeah he, did he have rough edges of course he did you know did he make some poor choices of course he did you know could he have been better absolutely but he gave people a lot of good memories yeah, yeah. he had yeah. fans in that first season and the first half of the second season will smile when they think about him they'll, they'll think about him yeah. the goals he scored or the things he did or the way he <laughs> celebrated I mean it's, it's probably the worst cartwheel celebration you'll ever see yeah you yeah, see guys and, uh, as a Chelsea <laughs> fan growing up we had a lad uh, Celestine Babiara I think a Nigerian fullback yeah I remember him would yeah. score and go and do four or five triple sal goals and flip and land on his feet and nail the landing whereas Tarabai kind of barely gets off the ground yeah. but, but he loves what he did you know and he was a real character you know so I really enjoyed working with him um, but also I think the perception of Korean players is all very similar yeah in the sense of you know they're very frigid very disciplined very hard working I've been really pleased with the fact there's been some real variety in the lads you get to work with. There's some Korean players that you pull your hair out with, as I'm sure there are Korean pupils that people teach and Korean drivers and all sorts, but, but there's also been some lads that have got a real spark about yeah. them, a real mischievous side to them, a real kind of you can see under the surface there there's that sense that they want to express themselves more and that's the bit I want to bring out in these Korean lads because the league needs more of that needs more of those Korean players expressing themselves you know so you mentioned earlier that some of the foreign players have been in the news recently yeah. with their not so good experiences about Korea uh, the players the foreigners that have gone through Elan do you think they've generally if they're asked about their time in Elan they give a generally positive answer or um, I mean my experience with players is they'll, they'll always complain about anything whatever it is so um, I think if you were to speak to them all individually they would say there's been parts of their time here they really enjoyed and parts that they regretted or parts that they were frustrated by yeah. uh, but then I think that would be the case with the Korean players yeah. and that would be the play case with players at any league in the world um, I think we probably in career as a whole as a, as a game career we've got to have a little look at ourselves in terms of recognising what is needed to create an environment that's conducive to performance I mean, any walk of life if you're if the situation away from your job is difficult or there's mm-hmm. frustrations there that does nibble away at you a little bit you know if you've had a row with your missus in the morning you're going into a classroom or off to the office you know that nibbles away at you if, if there's frustrations because you, you haven't got <laughs> parking space allocated to you or tiny little yeah. things they're small things on the, in their own but over time they can build up and actually I think we've probably got to try and have a look at the game and say what we're not looking to do is to pamper players at all yeah. but we also have to recognise that the 
the, the two most important groups of people within the gaming career are firstly the fans and the secondly the players yeah. and actually as coaches as administrators as guys within the KFA the K-League we we probably need to do a slightly better job at creating an environment that allows players just to focus on expressing themselves and playing and anything that takes away from that whether it's contract issues or combination issues or visa problems or if your family's not happy all that kind of stuff that probably factors in a little bit so I think we've probably got to do a better job as a game okay. of that to be quite honest You mentioned about the fans uh, one of the things we often talk about is the fans in Korea are overwhelmingly positive they're very slow to boo poor performances or boo poorly performing players uh, what's your impression about that do you think uh, say back in England if, if someone's booed when they miss an open goal do you think that uh, affects the player or do you think the, the fact that players here rarely criticise means that they're too casual or too laid back about things um, I mean the first part of your question is from the guys back home how does the booing impact them I mean it, any player that says they don't hear the fans is a liar yeah. and when you're in a stadium even if there's even a smaller stadium you hear exactly what's being said you can hear the isolated kind of comments and you're certainly aware of the atmosphere if I take my time at Celtic for example you know if you win an old firm game you know you won an old firm game yeah, if yeah. you lost an old firm game you sure as hell know you've lost an old firm game so so yeah certainly that does have an impact on a player's well-being in that they're aware of it no doubt um, whether it <laughs> impacts on their performance depends on the individual certainly yeah, but yeah. in terms of in career do I think that the, the lack of kind of negativity towards lack, lack of criticism impacts them I think because, as we talked about long, because the stadiums are so empty I just don't think it registers okay. and, that, and that sounds a little bit negative but I, I haven't been in a Korean stadium yet in a, in, a, in a domestic game really with the exception of maybe a super match but where there's the crackle of the atmosphere yeah. really enough for it to have an impact on what's happening in the game so for example I would argue that the whole concept of home field advantage which people talk a lot about in the game when you can argue whether it's true or not in Korea is almost less impactful yeah. Yeah. because the stadiums are fairly empty all the way through but having said that I do think there needs to be an accountability to players you know there has to be that sense or whether it comes from the fans more likely from themselves and the coaches but there has to be a sense that this stuff matters yeah. and one of my criticisms of Korean football and it is a criticism and I don't criticise it lightly because I do love the game here and I love the place winning doesn't matter enough yeah mind you if, I, if you look at the real perennial winners in any walk of life but particularly in football they always say that the lows of defeat are such are so much stronger than the highs of victory so when you win a game of course there's a <coughs> risk there but almost straight away within 10-15 minutes you're on to like, what's the next game next game yeah. when you lose it just burns you up yeah. inside yeah. and that's a fan that's a player that's a coach and actually that that is a bit of the moment that I, I haven't seen enough of to be quite honest in the sense of winning matters this is in professional football which is what we're talking about here big boys football it's about winning yeah bottom line is and you can talk about three year plans and buildings and philosophies and again this is a, this is a criticism of, of football generally all that stuff's important but you have to win yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can build important. while you win you, know, you can develop your philosophy while you win Guardiola's a good example Guardiola's in, in Man City is talking about developing a philosophy and a way of start of playing and this year has been you can see kind of noticeable steps forward at that yeah. but he's been winning you know, and that covers a multitude of sins so yeah, that's certainly something I think we, need to look, we do better at here in Korea and is player compensation here based on sort of similar as, as overseas with goal bonuses and win bonuses and things like that to kind of incentivise them to try harder yeah there, there is a bonus system here as there would be in any kind of um, professional league generally yeah. again being honest and talking from the inside of it I can honestly say that that doesn't really factor on many players radar 
and that, that might sound daft to, to someone from, who's perhaps a, a fan listening thinking well if I knew I'm going to get X amount of money for scoring it's going to make me play even harder mm. at, at the highest end of the game this is going to be sound kind of a little bit kind of unusual there aren't bad players in professional football the very nature of the fact that you are a professional football says you are a fraction of 1% yeah. right. at the top of the pyramid now what there are is there's good players there's good players who are capable of great moments and there are great players yeah. you know, but what I find is, is that because of the quality of what you're working with these good players it's not the money that motivates them it genuinely isn't and that sounds like a cliche that there is a professional pride that goes with being yeah. at that level that you have to have <laughs> to be at that level you don't get to being that level unless you've got an element of that now some players are more driven than others uh, Lampard, Frank Lampard is a player that I always talk about with my young players in terms of if you look at his story and his journey that's a player who never should have achieved what he ended up achieving but he did it because of just his absolute insatiable desire to improve every day yeah. and, and to be the best he can be every day so yeah the money is a, is a side part of what they do I can't speak to every single individual but my experience has been of players is that the, in the professional game it's the actual the professional pride of wanting to be the best you can be that really motivates players the most okay um, like you're talking about, about motivating players yeah. uh, this is a kind of I guess more like a kind of personal question that, that I want to ask like, um, a big thing about recently like, is that a lot of clubs do you know like, they, 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 they start marketing like, posters for a particular game coming up yeah yep. and I know that I shared <laughs> one with you like a while back which was in the last uh trip that Iran made to Songnam the, the poster was a photograph of a leopard being shot in its sights yeah, it's and, right and, you, and you either liked or retweeted that I can't quite remember is that the kind of thing that, that did that motivate like, could you have used that as motivation I mean like, when you looked at that like, did you think that that was a shocking advertisement first of all and like, is that something that you would have used to say look guys here's what Songnam think that they're going to shoot you in your sight that kind of thing is that something that that you can use to motivate players in, in career you know there's the idea of they put the newspaper up in the dressing room and that kind of thing does that work in career um I think probably <laughs> it is a little bit different here compared to the UK certainly uh, in the sense of things that would rile a player yeah. I use the word rile as opposed to motivate things that would rile a player or a coach back in the UK probably don't registered quite as highly over here not because they're any less passionate I think yeah. they, they just demonstrate that in a different way um, in terms of that particular piece of marketing I take my house to song them I thought it was a great bit of marketing okay. I thought it was great I thought I like that I love that yeah. little bit I think one of the things that we need to do that we talked about earlier on in terms of growing the game we've got to create these storylines we've got to create narratives and rivalries and yeah. we've got to be that because that's the stuff that people enjoy to see yeah. that's the, that's the that people talk about so we can talk about VAR I know you talked about video stuff a lot yeah. on, on, on your previous podcasts and things but like it or load it a lot of people load it it's a storyline that people talk about over their beers you know yeah. it's, you look at it, those people that follow European football you look at the qualifying playoffs for the World Cup over the last couple of weeks I mean Northern Ireland feel as though they've been cheated out of a place in the World yeah. Cup because of a penalty decision in the first leg that clearly wasn't a handball but it's, it's a talking <laughs> point now I'm not advocating creating controversy for the sake of it but what I am saying is that narrative and storyline I think is important in career because we are in a crowded market where young people particularly have a lot of options for how they spend their money and time at a weekend okay. and so we've got to create those storylines I think to try and engage with those kind of people um, even things like to take FC Seoul for example one of the things that FC Seoul I think do well is they have this kind of quite vi- 
visual kind of expat stay once a year. Yeah. And they have uh, you walk down into one for the week beforehand. Can't think of who's responsible for that. Absolutely. But you walk down into all the way through, and there are houses yeah. everywhere. Yeah. And whether you like it or not, people, I've had people from that we bump into the school gate or guys who live in our building that notice that and talk about yeah. it. And, and they might have only gone to one game a year, and it's that one. And it's that one. Yeah. Because for whatever reason, it registers on their consciousness. And so yeah, I think there needs to be those hooks yeah. to get people in. I don't agree with the whole let's give a car away in the first game of the season, you get 20,000 fans, and then next week you've got yeah, 1,500 yeah. again. I'm not sure I necessarily agree with that because you see guys walking out after half time, you know. But well, I, I, so the keep up thing. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. I do yeah. think we've got to be perhaps a little bit cuter at how we how we engage with those fans outside, you know, because like I said it early on, this is a decent product, we've just got to make sure it gets out there, you know. You talked about engagement fans outside, that one of the things that Elan was actually the, the first team to do, uh, is like, the idea of bringing like, the food trucks on the, on yeah. the race tracks, and now that's been copied by, I haven't been to, I haven't been to FC Solo all season, but it's been, it's been covered by, by FC Solo, yeah. a lot of food trucks, and so I've got them now. It's been better, but... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, like a really uh, kind of important question about that is, what is your favourite food truck? Wait, what is my favourite food truck? <laughs> is, it, is it the Swedish hot dog? Is he well, my favourite? I've, 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 I've heard your name being associated with Swedish hot dog. <laughs> yeah, the, um, actually, my, my family comes to the games every week, and again, as a, as a coach with a background in conditioning, you know, I talk about wanting my kids to exercise and eat right. Yeah. Yeah. And the number of times I look across on the bench and see my kids just stuffing their face with garbage, and I'm like, a little part of me dies. So we yeah. never see yeah. that. But, um, yeah, I mean, certainly my kids, I mean, they'll be the first to queue up for the pizza truck, to be fair. So, but it's, um, it's amazing. It is decent, I had that in that last so, game. Yeah, they, they do queue up for that pretty regularly. So my, son, my son's been fueled on pizza for the last two years, I think. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah, going back to that first thing, I think in that first year, Elan did do a, quite a number of things yeah. that I felt were a little bit innovative and a little bit different, and probably we didn't quite capitalise on that moving forward. And we probably didn't use that momentum enough. Um, okay. But yeah, little, little things like that don't make a difference. Yeah. What's been your favourite stadium? I, this is going to hurt Paul. I do enjoy going to Tanjong. I do enjoy okay. going to Songnam. Um, I've taken pictures of the, of the black or the magpie rising <laughs> with the eyes and the smoke. Is so that because you sit pitch side though, whereas the rest of us are staying like 100 metres? Yeah, of course that's true. Yeah, I think the dark thing about it is not a criticism of Songnam at all. But the, um, for those people that haven't seen it, behind the, there's a temporary stand behind one of the goals. Yeah. You know where a lot of the kind of the ultras sit or whatever. And behind that, you've got this probably 30 foot giant magpie with glowing eyes and smoke that comes out. <laughs> Yeah. that every now and again will rise up during the game and, and the, <laughs> the bit that for me that I find slightly kind of incongruous is that there's no real rhyme or reason as to why the bird appears yeah. so for example there'll be an injury and there'll be a delay of the game and the, and the magpie will appear or there'll be a throw in on the halfway line and the magpie will appear so the away fans are celebrating going 5-0 up and the magpie comes out it's random in the sense of I understand in, in the past that stadium in the NFL you'll see like a certain things happen at certain stadiums when yeah. there's a significant event a shot on goal or a corner but it's just kind of that's like distraction this giant yeah. 30 foot magpie it's showing up that just appears I actually know the guy who designed okay. yeah. the magpie I actually sat with him at games okay. uh, you know, yeah. it was Kunsuk and uh, it was actually based on he's a big ultra okay. fan and he'd, he's been to San Paulo and he's been to uh, Fenerbahce I think yeah. it is and he, he kind of based it on something he had seen there and I, th- I think it was at a San Paolo game like, they raised something similar right, okay. so when they built that temporary stand he, he designed and got the club to, to invest in this yeah. as you said this like, 30 foot terrorising magpie absolutely 
but I don't think that his idea was really translated or transferred to the guy who operates it. Because okay. he just seems to sit there and go, oh, I haven't pressed the button yet, and he presses the button. Some <laughs> random yeah, points. Yeah. And as and Kunsok, every time that magpie rises, Kunsok dies. Okay. <laughs> he just like shivers and goes, ah. Oh. And it's just it's, he he really hates it because yeah. uh, it's not what he. It's, it wasn't the idea yeah, yeah. that he the concept that he came up with. Well, I think for me, I mean, I, I really like it. I'm my kids have been to what, and the weekend that's on them, and they see it and they they talk about it with their kids yeah. in school and I've taken photos of it. I really <laughs> like it. It's the um, I think part of the issue is it's whatever you do, and whatever the concept might be, it's just hard to make a magpie look scary. Certain animals that lend themselves to yeah. creating an atmosphere or hostility around the place. Like, for example, a, a few years when I was at Birmingham, we used to go and play Cardiff at the old stadium, Ninian Park. And yeah. For people that know, kind of you know, follow their football tradition, Ninian Park <laughs> at Cardiff was a proper old fashioned stadium. Yeah. It was terraces down either side of it, you, people could run and chase you all the way down, and it was, it was a hard place to go and play. And it really was a pretty intimidating environment on occasion. But again, it was that sense of. Bottom line is the nickname's still the Bluebirds. In that sense of for whatever you try and create there, you are just a little two-inch bird. Bottom line, so, <laughs> there is an element of that being yeah, less than intimidating. I mean, obviously, um, you know, like you you came here on a three-year contract. Yeah. We're also going to talk about that on the on the podcast, obviously. But uh, if you you know like, like let's just say you know like in a couple of years' time, like will you if you're no longer at Eland or in Korea, they, will you still be an Eland fan, or like, is there, you know, like, would you come back and, and coach with another team? Like, I, I mean, we're talking about years. From yeah, now, of course. I mean, yeah. I guess to answer that question, the first thing I say is I look back on the three years of having career up to now with real fondness. You know, I'm, I'm, it was a risk coming here. I'm yeah. Just, it's, I mean, I'm very fortunate in the sense of I had a chance to work in, in the Premier League and Champions League and Championship and national teams and things, and so. It wouldn't necessarily, on paper, be the next logical career step to come and work in the second division over in Korea. But, but I'm so glad the family and I took the, took the opportunity to come here. You know, first, you'd be falling in love with the country. I mean, the country is magnificent. Yeah. I really, I, I can't speak high enough of the people, for all the frustrations and all the the, the the complaints there are about being here, as there would be in any country. What I found is, is that. The, the point at which the penny dropped for me, I think, was that if you come to a new country like Korea and you compare it to back home, you're always going to say, well, that's different, that's not mm. good, that's not good, I prefer this back home. The moment you step away from that and say, it's not better or worse here, it's just different. Yeah. And actually, that was a real key turning point for me because rather than seeing it through a reference framework of my experience in Scotland or England, it's saying, this is a totally different country, let's, l- let's look at it, let's read about the history of the country, learn about the culture, learn about why the country is where it is now, look at the, the process the country's yeah. gone through. And, and at that point, that really helped me in that sense of being able to really fall in love with the place uh, and the people here. So, so, yeah, certainly look back on those three years really fondly. Yeah, my contract's up. I've got no idea what the future holds for me at the moment. And um, we fly back to the UK on Monday in two days' time just for a break. It's been a long season, so we need a break. Yeah. Um, if you ask me now, where will I be in six weeks' time, I genuinely couldn't tell you. And that's not me coaching speak. It's just literally yeah. couldn't tell you where I'm going to be. Yeah. Um, the, my, my own career path has changed slightly when I came here I came here as a, as a number two Martin's number two um, and then obviously then with the changes in management my role has kind of moved further back towards the conditioning and sports science kind of physical side of things um, which I'm happy doing and have done for a long long time probably for me at stage of that I wouldn't necessarily want to be in that role 
much longer, really, just because a part it's a young man's game. Yeah, <laughs> he, my knees are creaking a bit now. I'm in the gym each day and out of the field. But, but secondly, because I think the way the game's evolved over the last few years is that there's a real disconnect between the coaching and sports science side of things I see around the world. Uh, there's a real sense of suddenly this huge data movements crept into the game, the whole analytics and money ball. And they made talk about two years ago. But there's a disconnect between the two. Uh, and so for me, the route I see myself going is more the coaching route now, which is the kind of the, the pathway for me. So w- would I consider co- continuing working career? Absolutely, I would. Um, okay. But what I've learned over 20 years of doing this is that you, the situation you put yourself in is important. The club's obviously important, but it's more about who you're working with, the, the board of directors you're working with, the financial situation of the club, the, you know, the, the head coach you're working with, so whatever role that might be. You know, so so would I would I think about continuing career in the future? Absolutely, I would. Um, is that on my radar at the moment? And the rain at the moment is just packing up the apartment for a holiday, but yeah. to be quite honest with you, and getting back to the UK for a bit <coughs> of a break. Um, and then beyond that, who knows? You said you've been here three years. Uh, if you're, if next season you are somewhere else, over a different country, mm-hmm. is there stuff that you've learned here that you, you think you could implement that? Say, say if Barcelona call you up and say we want to be your, want you to be our physical coach. Is there stuff you've learned in the K League that you could implement in La Liga? I think that the biggest thing I will take from my time in career is, is been the sense of I think I came here with a fairly fixed idea of how things should be done in the sense of this is my experience of how to win this is my experience of how to create a performance environment this is what it takes to be successful and coming here is throwing all that up in the air in the sense of forced me to, to kind of recognise that there is more than one way of doing things that sounds common sense but actually if you come into career and you try to do things in a European way you will fail you will fail if you come in and you try to use an American way you will fail but my the, the flip side of that is that I also think in Korea if we continue to do things the traditional Korean way quote unquote we will fail we will fall further and further behind the world at national team level domestically because the game has changed and the game continues to evolve and and again this is not in any way being critical of, of anyone within the establishment but 2002 is a long time ago now yeah. and that World Cup was a fantastic World yeah. Cup and the national team were brilliantly successful and there were so many lessons we can take from that two generations of players have come and gone since then and the game has moved on and other nations are looking around the world for best practice and seeing how can we improve yeah. I think look at, I looked at the FIFA rankings last week and you can take those with a pinch of salt but I think career is fifth in Asia now yeah. fifth in Asia yeah. and that's ridiculous for a country with the raw material they've got here and the quality of player they've got here to fall behind the teams they're falling behind really is a yeah. needs to be a wake up call because it's not that those teams are better it's that they've actually looked around the world and says how can we improve the way we recruit how can we improve the way we train how can we improve the way we recover how can we improve the way we analyse games how, all those little one percents that go into performance and actually helps elevate the team I would argue that Korean football has stood still probably for 10, 15, 20 years maybe and as a result of that looks like it's actually gone backwards but it hasn't gone backwards other teams yeah. have just gone past <coughs> yeah. uh, and I think that's a challenge in terms of for Korean football moving forward so if you, to answer your question what have I learned what I've learned is that, that need to constantly evolve and constantly adapt to what you do and say what we did last year I'm happy to share that with everybody there's what we did yeah, copy if you want to because we've already moved on yeah. you know, and that's important because yeah. my, 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 one of the criticisms I would have of Korean football I think is that 
probably we're, it's a little bit stagnant in the sense that we probably haven't adapted as much as we need to and I say that from a position of someone who loves the game here and yeah. has a vested interest in seeing it do well and again I'm not harking back to the, the, the players that have had a proper career in football in the last few months because again it, some of them have had a really difficult experience absolutely and I, and I wholeheartedly support them and it's difficult for some of the guys coming into here it's easy to bash it sometimes yeah. and I, I do yeah. think that we do have to recognise actually there's some great things about it and I'm someone who loves the game here and, want, and wants the best for it but isn't going to shy away from being honest and saying some of the things that we're doing at the moment need to change you know, and that's coming from someone who enjoys the game here you know? I think we said something similar a couple of weeks ago right that the, the, kid, the players who are in their early 20s now would have been at elementary school when the 2002 World Cup was on so those should be players who watched that World Cup should have had an impact on them and said this is what I want to do and we should be coming into a golden generation and I'm not sure that we are yeah, um, yeah and, think, <coughs> and, and following on from that people guys that were part of those playing squads are now influential within Korean football from a coaching administration yeah. point of view and that's a good and a bad thing in the sense of good in the sense you want to keep good people in the game there's some great people who are involved in that squad who are still involved in the game but we need those people to take the good stuff from that but also not just hop back to it yeah. so let's do it, yeah. how, let's how, do it how we did in 2002 and so I was quite encouraged by that. <coughs> I think the K-League the KFA announced a little bit of a reshuffle last week in terms of people changing roles within yeah. the KFA and some, diff- some new new guys coming into new roles and again I, I hope they're given the opportunity to be successful because we, we need that freshness within the game yeah but you have a bigger they've, they've disappointed Andre as their, as their manager yeah? I mean he's done a fantastic job absolutely like this year so I think yeah hopefully and I know there's the two Spanish boys that are coming to help out Shinta Young as well yeah that's right after the World Cup so hopefully that kind of helps things change a lot yeah, as well, yeah. I think the World Cup's going to be interesting because I mean, it's going to be a hard one to predict you know? yeah. I, don't, I look across the qualifying campaigns around the world actually there's there's been some teams there you're thinking well, you're, not, you're not as strong as you have been traditionally yeah. and there's some teams that I think are on the march as well so um I just hope that there's not the negativity around the national team that there was for the qualifying campaign you know, because I think we can do better than that. Yeah, I have a couple of qu- questions about, so this weekend, I mean this is probably going to be afterwards, but uh, this weekend is the, is the final week in the, in the Classic. Who's your tip for the drop? Well, I mean, the drop's a difficult one because obviously a, a good friend of, a friend of mine who I work with at Celtic, Noel McGinnell, has obviously came across and yeah. Granger and obviously they're already gone. So it's hard for him coming across to a yeah. halfway through a season and then suddenly yeah, 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 in a team that's, and he's been backwards and forwards in the national team games already. So um, from a purely selfish point of view, from for Eland, you know, I'd rather see Sangju stay up just because okay. we know that every year Sangju are going to get good players coming through. We know it's going to be tough. Okay. I'd like to see them stay up. Um, you look at Inchon and Jonan there in terms of that's the other two teams really that are. Just in, in the mix for that, um, I think our uh, our front office guys would probably want Inchon to come down because it's a shorter trip. So yeah, less hotel yeah. stays and less <laughs> money to spend. Um, so that's probably that. I, I, it, whoever comes down will find it tough as we yeah. early on because yeah. I think they will find it hard in terms of that jump through. It's, it's not it, the drop off is is not as big as they think. You yeah, know, um, I think for me the bit I'm following more closely is obviously the playoffs going up in the sense yeah. I'm fascinated by. I watched the game last night and I thought Assam were <coughs> very, very good. We thought about already. <coughs> I think Busan, that game against Assam, is going to be a real hard one to call because I would argue on paper Assam are the better team. 
but I mean obviously the, the tragedy at Busan this year yeah. in terms of losing their head coach and you look at the, the way the team have come together off the back of that in terms of making the FA Cup final and I mean it's that's a hard one I mean and, and part of me the, the, kind of the fan the sentimentalist and he wants Busan to go up yeah me too yeah, that's a great tribute to that yeah. and again I want to put on record for all the people out there and I, my best wishes go out to all that club and all the people in that family because that's a I mean, he's 46 years old. Yeah. It's no age at all. Yeah. And, and whichever walk of life you're in, you, know, you can't help but stop being attracted. Yeah. You heard that, you know. And another day that we we heard the news, I mean, it stopped us all in our tracks. You know, as a guy that I spent some chatting to over the last couple of years, yeah. he's been at Sanju last year, and, and got to know a little bit. And and we had coaching staff that have worked with him and players that worked with him. So when the news came through, it was tragic, you know. And so yeah, for me, I'd love to see Busan go up. I think the trend of the last couple of years has been the team that wins the kind of playoff battle within the Challenge League generally comes out and yeah. up against that, yeah. that, that, that playoff thing. I do think that the playoff format over here needs looking at. I like the fact that there's a sense of rewarding teams for finishing higher in, in the sense of having the home tie in the, one, in the single leg games for example I think it's double jeopardy you know, for example the game last night Asan gets a play at home and if it's a draw they go through Yeah, that's almost double penalising the team that finishes fourth now yeah. I'll, by all means have a home game I would like to see it just be a, a normal game yeah. you know personally um, having said that I thought Asan came out well last night and attacked the game first half yeah, they, they could have just sat in and just said try and break us down but yeah. they're, they're the property to be fair but, so yeah, I'd like to see that, that pan out but in terms of the team team for the drop yeah, I'd like to see Sanji stay up and the other two toss a coin on him okay. I mean, me personally I'd like to see Incheon go down that you discussed that idea of rivalries and we do have the kind of Gyeonggi-do rivalry with yeah. Incheon uh, so yeah I'd probably like to see them come down this closer and it might have a bit more kind of yeah. passion and spark in it um, obviously we don't know who is going to come down but just based on the teams that are, that are in in the challenge now who do you predict or who do you think will be the team going up next season as in you know, who do you think will win the the challenge next year. Next season, yeah. Oh, without, without, obviously, without knowing who's coming yeah. down. Um, obviously, the, the fan of me says Eland. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's the <laughs> first and foremost. Um, and again, I don't find a way that every team should set out to win, especially in a league of only 10 yeah. 11 teams. You should be setting out to win the league. So, yeah, certainly I'd like to see Eland win it next year. Um, taking away my Eland affiliations and looking at it, kind of perhaps more passionate than that, kind of. Yeah, a neutral point of view. The um, I mean, I think SC Sion will come again. I think yeah. they've kind of obviously had a little <coughs> up, back down, up, back down. I mean, I, I think they've got some good, some good players there. I think they're a decent team. Um, people always talk about Dajon. I, oh, the Dajon one baffles me really. Yeah, it's in terms of, in the obviously they, the year before I arrived, they obviously won the Challenge League and been promoted, and obviously came down at the end of that first year and. And I, I'm slightly fearful for them because obviously Kwang and Bomb looking like he's off to go and do his military service yeah. early next year at Asan. So, and they obviously lost Kim Dong Chan last year as well. So, but you, you, you'd have to think that it seemed like that will come again at some point. Yeah. You know, you'd hope they would anyway. In terms of, I think think needs teams like that with a history to kind of have a little property. Um, and then yeah, I think a team that comes down next year, they'll be there or thereabouts. If, yeah. it, is, if it is Sangju that come down, you'd have to. I mean, the bookies would put them as being famous yeah, straight away. Yeah, so the world bookies, but, um, 
so yeah I think I mean, it, whatever, whatever happens it'll be tight next year I, I can't see them being a runaway leader this year and next year to be caught on this year but having said that the thing about Korean football that's different from elsewhere is that the thing that baffles me is there's a huge turnover of players at every team every year yeah. it's 15, 16 even 20 players in and out I mean that's not Zealand. I mean that's yeah. that turnover of players is huge and it's I think this season before the start of the season before the first game I think Songnam brought in 20, 23 players yeah. 20 and that, and that's, and that's I, didn't even, I still don't have the team and that's not unique by any means yeah. in the sense of it's crazy that, that for me makes it very hard A to predict what's going to yeah. happen next year but secondly in the sense of from a coaching point of view you, you want to try and lay some foundations and each each week month year build on those the reality is, is that ev- virtually every team is having a virtual new lineup every year yeah. Yeah. so you always start from scratch and that's I think that's genuinely an issue in the sense that's part of the reason why perhaps things end up being a little bit turgid sometimes in the sense of you haven't got a team that says that's who they are so take Leicester City for example the year they won the Premier League back in England <coughs> anyone from the outside will say that's how Leicester play yeah. but anyone who watched Leicester for the couple of years before that yeah. there was, you began to see the roots of that being laid yeah. the foundation of that being laid and then obviously that year was a year beyond all kind of imagination but, but you need that sense of there being a core of players year to year that understand the way the gaffer works the way a head coach works you know, what, what your identity is as a team so take Yongnam for example this year who have rightly so been, been the, the team that's going to won the Champions League this year Marcos has been phenomenal if they lose Marcos next year which they might do and I hope they don't for their sake but if they do lose him what are they going to do yeah. have they got a strategy in place I don't know I can't speak for them as a club but that whole sense of a change in identity seems to happen too frequently within the club I, I would look at a team and look in Spain look in Germany look in the UK look in even the US now in the MLS you can look at a team and begin to build up a picture of who they are what is their identity as a team what type of team are they I don't think you re- can do that really as readily within career yeah. even in the even in the classic league you know, yeah. I've watched FC Seoul a lot this year and over the last couple of years and, well, there's, yeah. and there's things about FC Seoul that I really like and I'm, again I'm not in any position to criticise them at all we've been staked in the Champions League for crying out loud but, but I'm still not Totally sure who FC Seoul are. Yeah, as a team, so I can't. Say I have a few opinions. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say that I can go and watch one of their games and know exactly what I'm going to get. To be yeah. quite honest, and that's yeah. just, and that's not just, that's just an example of what I think we see across career. I think we need that continuity from lacking a little bit. When you're coaching players, is it possible to identify? Oh, this this player has a future as a as a, a coach or a manager when he retires. Is it, can you see that in an early stage? An early stage. I think it's a great question because if I look at some of the players I've. I've worked with over my time and it's probably aging myself a bit now but lads who were young emerging players when I first started coaching have now retired yeah. they've had a full career yeah. almost 20 years career have now retired and now making that move into coaching it's really interesting seeing lads that you worked with when they were 17, 18 just breaking through yeah. now in their late 30s yes. making that transition into coaching there are some players that you just say yeah I can see you making that step absolutely so I would be very, very surprised if John Terry doesn't end up coaching somewhere at some point. For example, taking a Chelsea now. Yeah. You know, I, I, <coughs> there are always some that surprise you. Yeah. Um, but I think the important thing to say is the way the game's gone now, take England again, which again is what I know, so it's what I can speak from. If you look at the five or six top managers at the moment within the English Premier League, their pathways to the top are all very different. Yeah. Very different in terms of you've got someone like Guardiola who's had a phenomenal playing career at the very highest level and has then gone straight into coaching at the very highest level with players who are at the level he was at, yeah. for example. You've got other guys that have not had any kind of playing career to speak of, so someone like Mourinho, for example, who has been successful everywhere he's been. 
whether you like him or not, whether yeah. you warm to him or not, he's been successful wherever he's been. Going north of the boards, the Celtic and to Brendan Rogers. He came to an academy coaching background, really. Yeah. Worked yeah. on the nines, tens, elevens, and upwards, and reserve team manager, and kind of gone that route, if you like. So, in terms of the can you identify who's going to be a successful manager or not? We could list off ten top top players that have tried around the coach and just flamed out. And we could, and so it's not necessarily a hard and fast way of predicting, but yeah, there's certainly some that I'd say yeah. You, you don't want that knowledge to be lost to the game. I think that, and so for example, I look in career again. There's some really good kind of guys in the late thirties, early forties that I think we're probably not using their expertise and experience and knowledge enough at the moment. I'd, I'd like to see YP Lee involved a bit more in Korean football. I know he's been quite outspoken previously. I was, I was encouraged, like we talked last week, to see if Jisung Park taking on a role within yeah. the KFA. That's good to see. Yeah. He's obviously very high profile. Whether it's the right role is not for me to say. I mean, he's not had a background in youth football, so he's in charge of the youth programme in Korea now. So I hope he's got some people alongside well, him. He's living in England, right? He's been yeah. studying in England yeah. as well, yeah. So, um, so yeah, you can't. It's not guaranteed, but there's certain players have characteristics. I think. But again, the, the game's changed. The game that you and we all grew up with, in terms of that, especially in the UK, that kind of you know, roll your sleeves up, yeah, and, and scream and shout the bulletin board motivations, you know, from all that kind of stuff, get in the mix, all that stuff. The game, that game's almost dead now, really. Hard yeah. as it sounds, even the lower league. Because you go and watch lower league football in, in Europe now, it's teams want to play out from the back. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing or a good thing. I'm just saying it's an observation of the way the game's gone. So. What the, the skill set that a coach needs now is very different from the skill set 20 years ago. You know, it's about people these days. You know. So you look forward to seeing Tarabai, the manager? <laughs> I, who knows what Tarabai would like. <laughs> I'm not sure Tarabai knows what he's doing in five minutes' time, let alone five years' time. You know, so he's great. I, I, I hope we get more people like him in yeah. the because yeah. he, people talk about him. You know, I think back to that first season, again, it's easy to hop back, but you know, when you get in... Kind of videos going viral of two and a half million hits of human use going goal that's similar to Hamas Rodriguez, yeah. and you get in newspapers in Brazil and the UK and websites in Italy picking up and leading it on their news feature. We need that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Need that. we need that because we need the product to get out there. Yeah, yeah. we need to hear about that. You know, and, and so that's great. And so for Tarabite, trying to shoot from the halfway line and falling over, great. I love that. Yeah. People talk about it, make a gif out of it, and, and stick it on the website, whatever. You know, but yeah, it was we need more. Yeah, he was. Yes, and there's other guys as well. I'm not just him. I guess we should start wrapping up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. ask a couple of questions. Yeah, ask a couple of questions. Quick uh, fire round. Quick yeah. fire round. Uh, do you still like Kim Sheen? Yeah, I tolerate it. I tolerate <laughs> it. Okay. Uh, if it comes down to it, Trump or Kim, who's going to win? Hope it doesn't come down to it. <laughs> um, probably won't answer this, but most disappointing signing for Elan? Can't answer that. Okay, I think I know who it is anyway. Um, and yeah. Who's the who, who's the best Nori Bang singer? Oh, that's Nori Bang. Well, my, my wife comes from a musician background, so I mean she's had a chance to kind of be involved a little bit of karaoke stuff, and she's certainly better than me. Um, I'll be honest, that's a part of Korean culture I'm warm to. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> you won't find me kind of frequenting many of those places. I said. What's your favourite song to sing? I, I can honestly say I've never sung karaoke here in Korea. Oh really? Life. I can genuinely say that. And you've only got three days left. Let's see if we can start that out. Yeah. I say that. What are you doing after all this? Absolute pride <laughs> and satisfaction <laughs> at saying that as well. Fantastic. Well, I guess I mean, that brings us up to the, the outro music that you chose. Yeah. Uh, the end interview. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it was. Presumably not the song that you sing in Noribon, because yeah, it was uh, someone called Buffalo Springfield. Absolutely, and yeah. the song is for what it's worth. Yeah, yeah. So, so you can um, find it. Um, yeah, I'm sure you can find it. Yeah, so, so it's um, I think I actually think it was a protest song f- around the Vietnam War. I think it was actually the background to it. So it's a slightly random one, but it's um, got a catchy tune, gets in your head. Um, yeah, just 
my, my time here has been magnificent, you know, but there's been times where it's felt like a war zone. You know, there's been times where I look at it and say, this and this has been magnificent, and I'm just saying, I, can't, I can see myself being in career for 20 years, and you know, the other times where you're just desperate to go and yeah, play, you know. Yeah. But I think that's the reality of life as an expat anywhere, in the sense of you're going to have those highs and lows, and actually. Yeah the key thing is to focus on those highs and there are so many good things about being in Korea yeah. and, I, and I look back whatever the future holds to me whether I'm here in Korea or elsewhere or wherever I end up doing Korea will always have a special place in my heart Korean football will be something I continue to follow I hope I'm getting the chance to spend more time and be involved here still but I don't know what the future holds but yeah for me Korea is a magnificent country and we've got a bandage run for that you know because okay. I'm tired of the negative stuff you know so, uh, I mean I have to admit from a, a fan point of view I hope you have another 10, 15 years here as well. It's that you're one of the few people who actually does uh, kind of interact with the, the kind of normal fan on Twitter. Uh, you even took time out to tell me I should bite my fingernails in the last game of the season. It <laughs> was <laughs> <laughs> great. So yeah, I mean hopefully, yeah. Thank you. I mean, hopefully Just on that note, the bare-faced cheek of a, a Scottish fella bowling into Champion for a Bouchon versus Sol Leland game with his Songnam shirt on and sat bang and a half way. You'll, you'll do for me, son. That's quite a bit. And the fact that you're allowed in as well. Uh, well, I mean, it was the third time I tried. <laughs> so I had it was, it was quite funny because like, the kids around me, you know, like, I, I wasn't really sure how, how they would act it. Yeah. Uh, and when it was getting near the end, you know, like, as it was getting closer to closer two weeks, or, or, or they sort of full time, I was getting more and more agitated. And people were kind of looking at me like, why is this guy getting so excited? And I think people started realising, oh wait a minute, that's obviously like a song that I'm top. Yeah, yeah. And at two weeks I jumped up and celebrated. Cool. And yeah. fair play, and like a bunch of kids around me, they, they kind of came up and they high five, yeah, yeah. they say song that I'm fighting. No, and I was like, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I told myself, you know, that that's a good thing about being in the K-League, you know, yeah. as, like, as, as you can do that. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. Okay, sweet, excellent. Well, yeah, Dan, I mean, thanks very much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, and yeah, hopefully we'll get to have a, have a few more chats like this. Fantastic. Cheers, guys. Okay, thanks. Being wrong. Nobody's right if everybody's wrong. Young people speak in their minds. Are getting so much resistance from behind. Time we stop. Hey, what's that sound? Everybody.